Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. So you're listening to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy with sex therapist Lori Watson and author of Wanting Sex Again and my co-host Dr. Adam Matthews, couples therapist. And today we're going to talk about honeymoons and all the excitement of June is upon us, Adam. It's wedding season, isn't it? Wedding season. All right. So exciting. So going into your honeymoon, there are lots of expectations about sex. Right. And I think there's lots of things that couples can do, even if they've been sleeping together Mm -hmm. and been sexual for a very long time or even lived together, that the honeymoon is a new beginning Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of weight put on what happens on the honeymoon night and during the honeymoon. And I think that there's things that since the couple has time, they can talk about together that really set themselves up for a good lifetime of Sex. And we would love for you to share this with those couples out there that you know that are getting married. Please send them to foreplayrst.com. Yeah. That's a great wedding gift, huh? I got you a podcast. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> I got you a podcast on <laughs> sex. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe maybe they would be insulted. But maybe maybe accompany that with a gift card to Target or something. Yeah, you know, I've taught a premarital class for so many years, and when I was teaching it. Hardly any of them thought that they would have sexual problems. Oh yeah, yeah. You're but going you know, to think it's just going to be it's just going to be great. The honeymoon is going to be this big sexcapade, and like it's just going to be a <laughs> highlight. You know, like yeah. yeah. And so many couples though do have problems with sex. It's just something people don't talk about. Mm. And so many young couples have problems with sex. Yeah. Even if they've been very sexual together, there's still a lot of adjustment that happens in marriage. That, I mean, they need to know about and think about, even if it's only a hint. Yeah. You know, this is coming. Because your relationship does change, right? It does. It your does relationship change. changes when you get married. And so you should expect that all aspects of your relationship, there at least needs to be a conversation around. And so this is this is one of them where that, that conversation doesn't happen. So what are the, you're saying that one of the things that they can do on the honeymoon is begin to have some of those conversations. So what are some of the things that you think they need to talk about? 
Well, first of all, I think before they get to the wedding night, mm-hmm. you know, they need to talk about what their expectations are of what's going to happen that night. Yeah. You know, a lot of people have relatives from out of town. They've been going crazy, you know, with all the plans and all the breakfasts and lunches and parties. Mm-hmm. And they get to the wedding night and they kind of are exhausted. Yeah. And maybe they had too much to drink or the wedding was too late in the evening. You know, or a 6 they o'clock had too wedding. Much, too much cake. Yeah, <laughs> too much cake too is much a cake. big problem <laughs> on the wedding night. You're right. Yeah. But I, I would say in general, indigestion yeah. is yeah. a big problem on date night, right? Yeah, right. People Absolutely. go out and eat too much. And and then they expect you know great sex. So, I mean, I think while it's classic that we want to consummate the marriage on that night, mm. or even if you know couples have been sexual before the wedding night, that they have an expectation they're going to be fully sexual that night. They They need to say so. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've had so many couples that have had something go wrong on this night. And then it's like it colors their whole sex life, the rest of their marriage. And, yeah. you know, maybe it's like, oh, you know, the, the groom has never talked to his brother in 10 years. And and he's just all hung up and, mm-hmm. and he can't get over that on the wedding night or, you know, or she's anxious or, or they are truly virginal and mm-hmm. they've not had sex. And then. The expectation to be fully sexual on that night, I think, is crazy. Yeah. You know, I think they need to give themselves time to let their bodies get to know each other. Yeah. And so entering that with the same expectations tends to be important because that's what it's going to think that's going to be really hurtful. If your partner has one expectation or doesn't have the same expectation as you do for what is going to happen that night, then that can just be feel really rejecting. It can feel very disheartening. It can be like, wait, we got married and now all of a sudden this is not going to happen like there can just be a lot of unintended messages that you can send if those expectations are not met. I know. Actually, on my own wedding night, we had kind of made this agreement that we would, you know, have some time together, go downstairs. There was we were in a hotel that had a jacuzzi, go do that sort of debrief the wedding, just relax. And it turns out my husband's groomsmen had stolen all our birth control. Hmm. You know, like stolen everything. And and I remember, like, they returned it in about an hour or something. They had the bellhop or whatever knock on our door. We hadn't even discovered it, thank God, at that point that we hadn't. But then I had this really weird feeling of, like, all the groomsmen pawing through my, you know, trousseau, Mm. which, you know, was, you know, honeymoon clothes. And it was just like this weird, like, oh, you know, they've looked through my luggage and seen all this stuff. It just... It was really weird. And so it just put you in this weird place. Yeah, but thankfully we had kind of set aside and told each other, you know, let's go downstairs first. We knew we were going to be exhausted. We knew we were going to be debriefing. And I I think that was the smartest thing we could have ever done. That's good. But I think definitely sharing what you're going to do that first night, super important. And I think that couples need to think about how and who is going to initiate Mm. I mean, I think our culture says the man's going to initiate. I mean, don't you think that? I think it's the predominant narrative. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's the expectation. But that may not be the expectation that you have as a couple or even the the desire you have as a couple may change. Right. right? And I see so many male patients who their sexual narrative is of being – asked. Mm -hmm. Like they think that's the sexiest thing. And they're married to a woman who is never going to ask because her, like you said, her cultural narrative, what she grew up thinking, and maybe what is more intuitive to her is to not initiate. Mm. And so they're kind of at a standstill. I mean, it can be the other way around too, you know, a man who asks and asks, and of course the woman says no. And, but I mean, I think that there's a problem and they should talk about this 
Like yeah. just when it's still fresh and still neutral. Yeah. You know, before they have any bad patterns set up. I was just about to say before there's baggage that gets brought into the relationship because they've been hurt doing those things, having that conversation to say, who's going to initiate? Who's going to kind of put their best foot forward? Mm-hmm. And, or is it going to be a back and forth? I mean, I think that could be they could take turns initiating as well. And so that could be an expectation that they just set up right from the very beginning. Yeah, and I would say that that expectation, Adam, in general is going to fail. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Just because, you know, I think men have so much more testosterone flowing through their bodies that they feel the push, you know, for sex in a way that the woman doesn't necessarily feel. And so I kind of think that capitalizing on that biology, if he can, and her realizing that she may have more receptive desire, which means she actually gets turned on by being the object of his desire Sure. oftentimes. Okay. I, I think that everybody wants to feel desired, so she yeah. needs to initiate some of the time. But I think if men can kind of accept, look, I was gifted biologically with all this great stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, I, I mean, I know the expectation in modern marriages is turn-taking, but I think it's like destined to fail. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So what are some of the other conversations you feel like that they should have during this time as well? It's going to set them up for success. Well, I think one would be how to turn down an initiation mm. so that you don't hurt each other's feelings. You know, yeah. and I, I think the best turn down is like a rain check. Mm. I'm not up for it. I'm too tired. I'm too whatever, too full. I had too much wedding cake. You know? <laughs> but, yeah. but how about Saturday? Yeah. I think that one is huge because a rejection of a sexual initiation that's not done well is going to make the initiator initiate less and less and less, mm-hmm. right? Because there's going to be that fear of a bad rejection. Even if their partner doesn't reject them as, as often as they think they do in their head, uh, that's going to blow up into something that's, that's much bigger. Would you agree with that? I, I would totally agree. And I would also counsel never say maybe. Mm. You know, if your partner says, hey, how about sex tonight? Don't say, well, maybe let's see when we get there. Say no. Yeah, just yeah, just, just say, say no. I, I I don't know. I don't think I'm going to have the energy. And yeah. then if it turns into a yes, that's a happy surprise. Versus, I, I think people when they hear maybe it means yes to them. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. And all day long they're thinking, okay, we're going to get yeah. to that moment. And then suddenly their partner goes, no. It's like, blah. Yeah. You know, it's like, so, so you're telling me there's a chance. Right. And then that chance gets gets taken away. Gets from taken me. away. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. And I think the person who makes the rain check is responsible for calling the rain check. So if they said, hey, how about Saturday? On Saturday, they need to remember that and bring it back up. So it seems like that one, too, it almost gives permission for there to be rejection in the relationship and be done in a good way. Like there's permission for somebody, for if somebody doesn't want to have sex, to be able to say no, which I think is, is key as well. Because then there's just an expectation that that's, that's, normal. Nego- that's normal. Yeah, because we can't between. possibly always mm. be feel sexual at the same time. Yeah, I, I think couples expect that though because they usually come into the marriage having you know this really highly sexual time either in the beginning of the marriage or before they get married, and and it's so it seems like they're constantly in sync with each other. But I think that has to do more with the newness, with their thrill, and somewhat with their romantic feelings about each other that are highly idealized. Yeah, absolutely. And then they start to see the real self, and that impacts things. And mm-hmm, yeah. uh, But I think another thing they could do that would be fun is just 
when they're on their honeymoon away from their home is kind of make a list. Okay, where do we want to have sex? You know, where, where are we going to christen? Which are we going to christen every room? And that's the fun conversation, yeah, right? That's the that's the fun they sh- conversation. They should be having those fun conversations. So yeah, where all it's going to take place. It's breaking in the new digs, right? Right, exactly. It's, it's, breaking, exactly. It, it's breaking it in. Right? Well, let's come back with some other thoughts. This is Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy with your host, Lori Watson, and my co-host, Dr. Adam Matthews. We'll be right back. Wanting sex again. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the... Must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And how to rediscover desire and heal a sexless marriage by certified sex therapist Lori Watson. Each chapter is designed to fix one of the problems that cause low libido from early marriage through the childbearing years, even all the way through menopause. I've also had men read it and tell me that for them it was the most hopeful thing they read about resolving sexual problems. Look for Wanting Sex Again on Amazon.com. You can also talk to Lori Watson for therapy in person or via Skype. I offer couples counseling and sex therapy and I think about both aspects of the relationship, emotional intimacy and sexual technique and that combination together helps marriages be happy improve your sex and improve your relationship with awakening center for couples and intimacy find out more at awakenloveandsex.com and sign up for their next couples retreat weekend hosted by Lori watson awakenloveandsex.com awaken what's possible Okay, we're back with Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy and Lori Watson, sex therapist, and Dr. Adam Matthews, couples therapist. We're talking about honeymoons and the things you can talk about on your honeymoon to kind of set up your lifetime for great sex. It's such a great time to have these conversations, too. I mean, especially if you're able to get to someplace that you, hopefully, your honeymoon destination is someplace that you enjoy, that's relaxing for you. And is a sex vacation. Yes, it should be a sex vacation. I'm not about these destination honeymoons where they're touring Europe and, you know, the Galapagos. You know, it's like, no, they they need to set time aside to relax and rest. Get yourself a cabin in the mountains. Yeah, or uh, the beach. The beach is great. Just total downtime and Mm -hmm. tiny little umbrella drinks and just... It's not the time to be a tourist and to do no. all kinds of activities, right? I think it's it's time to be a couple and, yeah. you know, have a ton of sex and enjoy that. Yeah. I think we were talking about some of these conversations, topics that they could have. And I think one of the ones that, that you've mentioned that I really, I really like that I don't think most people talk about is having a conversation about how you want your master bedroom space to be and to feel. Oh, yeah. Like this seems such like such a – when you start to talk about it, it seems like a no-brainer, but I don't know that many people do. Well, and you just moved, right, Adam? So I did. I just Is the moved. master bedroom all set up yet? No, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely not. There are stuff There's every, like boxes there's everywhere. There's stuff everywhere. I can find nothing. <laughs> so it is nothing like the space that we want it to be at oh, all. Oh, shoot. So in no, there's no space that we can't find towels. 
So yeah. I, oh I'm, my gosh. So I won't go into the the details of what that means, but we can't find towels right now. Yeah, and you know, a lot of couples are actually moving in together yep. after their wedding, and they're trying to put away all their gifts and mm-hmm. get all those thank you notes out and open all the gifts. And you know, there's a lot of stress. Yeah. When you come back from that honeymoon, yeah, but don't but you? I, I think the master bedroom. To your point, yes, is the master bedroom should be set aside to look like a hotel room. Mm. I really don't think couples should have TVs or desks in their bedroom, and that's not the place to do the laundry. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it definitely – you should walk in and feel at peace. Yeah, it should be an inviting space, right? A, it should be. A space where you want to be. If it's going to be the place that the majority of your sexual encounters occur, that you want it to be a place that you want to be in. Right. Right. And where it looks like, you know, a place that is tranquil and peaceful instead Mm of a train wreck or whatever, you know, I mean, definitely make your bed every morning, everybody. You don't (laughs) want to be clearing laundry off the bed to be able to get to it. Don't. And I think when the children come, it's so easy and tempting to crowd the room with child cues. But Mm -hmm. I think especially for women, you know, it's hard for us to be sexual and to be mothers. And so get rid of the children's pictures in the bedroom, I Mm. say. You know, don't d- you know? Do that in the hallway or the living room or something else, but not the bedroom because yeah. you want to you want to have a different role there. You want it to maybe be pro- the wedding picture. You want it to be a protected space, right? Yeah, a sacred space. Absolutely. I think, that's good. I think the other one that you've mentioned, I, I'm interested to hear more thoughts about, is the shared erotic language. Like, how are you going to talk about sex? What are going to kind of be your languaging around it? That just feels so needed in relationships or that gives you an avenue to begin to, I mean, I think we talk all the time, right? I mean, I think both of us are proponents of you need to be having conversations, ongoing conversations about sex. You need to not be scared to talk about it. So having a shared language about how you're going to talk about it seems to be the the first step in, in moving in that direction, right? Right. And I think, you know, couples often come to it, maybe one with the vernacular and the other with more scientific terms Mm -hmm. or, you know, they they say down under and they don't even name their genitals. And then we're asking them, okay, be explicit. Oh, yeah. Uh, Be explicit about how you want him to touch you. And she's like, ah, touch me down under. (laughs) You know, (laughs) what what does that mean? No, No, I mean, you know, what is their type? One of the conflicts that I've seen is couples where maybe the man says, I just want her to talk dirty. Mm. And she thinks dirty is something that she doesn't want to go there. You know, mm. it, it means something to her. And many times it really just means explicit. Yeah, He wants her to talk really, truly intimately about her experience in it. It's not that he necessarily wants her to drop the F-bound. He may not mind that. But it's, it's that he wants her to talk about her body parts, his body mm. parts, and actively and intimately tell him what he needs to do. That's what he's really saying when he says, I want her to talk dirty. Yeah. You know, breaking that down, okay, is it this kind of word or is it that kind of word? Yeah, that that tears down a lot of barriers to me. Like, Mm -hmm. I think, like, if couples could do that when marriage is starting, when we're talking about on the honeymoon, if they can have that conversation, that seems to really be a way to tear down a lot of barriers and to do a lot of preventative work for sexual complications later on. Yeah, actually, I have a resource for them, too, on awakenloveandsex.com. That's my website, Mm. awakenloveandsex.com. And they can find under the resource section this comparative language uh, chart, Mm. you know, slang, scientific, romantic, you know, fun, playful, and dirty. And then it kind of compares all the terms. 
And I often have couples like cross off things that are totally unacceptable to them, yeah. circle and highlight things like maybe they, they like. have a style that they really like. Yeah. And that prevents a lot of misunderstanding because we don't want somebody to be cringing sure. when their partner is talking about it. And we don't want the other person to feel like, oh, you know, they are so stiff and boring. Yeah. You know, I, I want to be playful and yep. they, they don't ever give me that. Absolutely. I think that's just key. So take advantage of that resource for sure. Other conversations that we've highlighted that are just really important, I think the shared family legacy about sex, right? Yeah. Like this one, this one may be difficult, honestly. And this this could take several years to share how your family, you know, thought about sex and the messages you got about sex. Mm. But it's so formative, isn't it, in terms of who we are as sexual creatures, mm-hmm. uh, where we came from. Yeah. What, what our parents' love life was like forms our expectations. Absolutely. You know, yeah, and those good messages, or bad. Yeah, and we get those messages no matter what. Like somehow those messages are coming through whether our parents were explicit or whether they never talked about it or somewhere in between. We are getting messages about what sex is supposed to be like. And so being able to have those conversations with your partner because they're going to be different. Right. right. They right. are not. No matter how similar your families were, those legacies are going to be different somehow, some way. And so having again, having those con- that conversation begins to kind of unpack some of that. Right. And what your family gave you and told you about sex is not just the birds and the bees talk. That's right. That's the least of it. That's right. That's you know, a good it, distinction. I mean, sometimes people say my, my family didn't say anything. OK, well, then your family said a whole lot. Mm-hmm. You know, your family was silent about this. And what did that communicate to you? What did you grow up feeling about sex? Was it OK to self-stimulate? Was it OK mm-hmm. to be sexual? You know, what did your family say it was OK? And when was it OK to be sexual in a relationship? Yeah. And how did you feel about your first sexual experiences? And were you able to talk to your parents about that at all? I mean, all of that is so important in terms of discussing your legacy and where you came from. Of course, I think the family of origin is formative in terms of all our emotional sure. intimacy, Yeah, you know, from then on, let alone the sexual stuff. But yeah, absolutely. You know, importantly, I mean, that as well. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's a therapist in us. We could go on for days about that kind of stuff. That's right. But I think one of the things that I think you've mentioned, but just want to highlight is that we don't always make the connection about how our family legacy is going to impact us mm-hmm. in our current relationship. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, you know, maybe your family didn't talk about sex. And so you go in your mind, well, that's not going to be me. And I'm just going to do it this way. Right. Yeah. And I think that, that we think we can escape by just yes, purposing. We don't realize how unconscious and and the groove in our head is about what our family gave us. Mm, yeah. And so unpacking that with your partner, I think, is vital. Yeah. I, and I would just end with, you know, try not to take yourselves completely too seriously. That's right. yeah. Know that the honeymoon is a beginning. Yeah. It isn't a defining moment. It doesn't have to be. It's, you know, it's the moment that you are first sexual as a married couple. Mm. And kind of revel in that and laugh at yourselves. I mean, everybody's hair gets caught under somebody's elbow. and. Yeah. You know, the sheets get tangled up. And I mean, there's just awkward, crazy moments, just like in the wedding. I would say every wedding you should plan on, you know, some Uncle Charlie doing something crazy or the flowers not arriving and just try to go with it and laugh with it. We don't we don't have to be so serious. You know, the most important thing is our love for each other. And in sex, the most important thing is being flexible. Hmm. 
And that laughter is what keeps it loose and keeps it fun. I I will say I think that is one of the big gifts in my own sex life is my husband and I, we laugh a lot. I mean, we laugh at ourselves. And every time is is really fun. You know, I hear so many couples who get out of bed and they're angry at each other because this, that, or the other didn't happen. And to me, it's all good. We did it. That's good. That's a win. Yay. So expect on your sex vacation for something to go wrong and for it to laugh at yourselves and to not take it so seriously. I think that's I think that's so good because it's this is supposed to be an enjoyable thing and we build up a lot of expectations for how it's supposed to go, right? Like the honeymoon itself is is just imbued with so so many expectations. And myths. Yeah, absolutely. And And you didn't fail if you didn't do the deal on the actual wedding night. You know, you you have a lifetime together to do anything you want and to enjoy each other's bodies. So, you know, be easy on yourselves. That's right. Don't take it so seriously. Right. Well, you're listening to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy with sex therapist Lori Watson, an author of Wanting Sex Again, and my co-host, couples therapist, Dr. Adam Matthews. Thanks for listening. Hey, help us stay on top here at Foreplay. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much. 